Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Trust Podcast. This is where we talk about the reality of taking your idea and turning into a surviving, thriving, successful business. This is where I talk about the lessons that I've learned along the way through my painful experiences as an entrepreneur. And I'm totally willing to talk about the challenges that I've gone through because nobody bloody else is. Some of the other things I do is to coach and teach entrepreneurs. And I work with the European Institute of Innovation and Technology. That's the European government's accelerator, investor, school for young and growing businesses, specifically focused on the environmental agenda. And I'm privileged to be involved with them. And I ran a two-day masterclass in Berlin recently with six amazing entrepreneurs that have some fantastic ideas and businesses that if they can deliver, and I really hope they do, will make a fantastic impact, a positive impact in the businesses that they are focusing on. Now, with their permission, as part of the learning, I recorded part of that session where we discuss the results of them reviewing their business model using a tool that I've developed called the Business Model Ecosystem. Not a catchy title, but it's really, really good. So what we do in this session is we look at every aspect of their business model from their, the, the process of creating an idea to turn it into revenue and look at the challenges along the way. We look at, at it with cold, objective eyes taking the gloves off, getting deep down and dirty into what makes their business tick. We look at their assumptions, their concerns, their woes, the hype that they may have put into it, their deepest concerns and fears. So I hope you'll find this really interesting conversation, maybe to bounce some of the thoughts that you have about where there's some weaknesses in your business, where you could be stronger, where your assumptions are a little bit beyond reality, where maybe listening to these these wonderful ladies and gentlemen will help you feel a bit more comfortable about being honest, enough to see where the challenges are. It's a really fascinating conversation for me, and I have to say thank you to each of the people that were working with me on this. We're back at EUREF in Berlin, uh, and we're looking at business model ecosystems. And the reason the business model ecosystem is really important to build a business model that is ready for investment, the reason we strip the business model to bits and pieces and smash it is because I feel that young startups build their business plan on hopes, dreams and ambitions and aspirations. And if you put yourself out in front of an investor, they're just going to get a pin and, and break it. So what we've done is allowed you to very gently, very calmly look at where the weaknesses are in your business and for you to personally self-assess where you're, you've got an assumption 
that might not be so strong, where you've got a hope that might not actually be real. And my, my, my hope is, and you know, I'm using that word hope, is that you've gently been able to see where there's some opportunity for you to be a bit stronger and clearer. And if you do this really well, rebuild your business model with facts and data and information, then you should be in front of an investor with a really strong business model. And if they point holes in it, you've already got an answer because you are better at them than finding the weaknesses. But they're just a bit more experienced at it. And, and they definitely don't believe your bullshit. Yeah, and, and we've given you a tool to not believe it as well. So what I'd like to do is ask you about, there are five elements of this business model ecosystem. And I want to talk to you about some of the revelations that you found. So if we can start with Jens, the first part we looked at was the people aspect, the people within the business model ecosystem. And I'd like to ask where you know, the biggest revelation for you was like the surprise uh, in that element. Yeah, so for me, the surprise was that uh, how much I prioritized my girlfriend, actually, uh, because I'm not that worried about not being able to fix problems anywhere else. Like mm -hmm. if there's a large problem with um, some of my co-founders, I'm sure we can figure it out somehow. And the same with my network. I'm not so sure. Uh, I'm not so worried about burning any bridges in that one. Can I just challenge you on that? A yeah, bit? Is, is that because that you thought there is a weakness in your personal relationship, or no. yeah, that you're very strong and secure there? Mm -hmm. So does that also, because you're very confident in all of it, do you think that is real? That everything else is fine and no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. I'm not saying that the other parts are not fragile and that there can happen something in with the co-founders or with the network. Uh -huh. I'm just saying that I am not as worried about that okay. personally. That's fine. So, but have you seen things that you, that uh, could be improved in that those areas? I mean, have you got the right mentors? Is your is your route to finance clear? No. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what the finances finances are looking for? You know, is, is, it, are you basing your business on an intern who's helping you do some development work? That, you know, and if that intern decides to go sick or get another job, it's it's all gone. Um, no, I'm saying there's still a lot of work to do, and especially those parts. Yeah, yeah okay. especially as such a young one. So that's also why I think my mentality is where it is because we are such a young startup mm -hmm. at the moment. Okay. Uh, I think it will actually probably. I had to rank them all. It will probably change during the next couple of months or something. Okay. Uh, business developing more. So, have are you able to look at the people in your business mm -hmm. as a group and actually just be a bit more critical and and actually say there are some issues there that I need to address? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, not that they are big issues now, but I can see when you think of okay, where are we going? Mm -hmm. You can already now see okay, where do we have to? focus on now to make this a sustainable business yeah okay because uh, i definitely really want to be honest with myself um, what what do what can go wrong and where do i have to focus now and where can i focus on later okay uh, so this this is actually a good way to put it down on paper yeah yeah i think so because there's so many things spinning around in our head having it on a simple piece of paper really helps michelle 
what is the the revelations that have come through to you in this people aspect? Um, well, for me, I think it was more of the fact that, um, like, I think I have a really good network, um, but it's um, people in other industries and friends of mine that are in other professions. Uh, everybody's very supportive, but I think just being in a place like this and actually meeting other people, like young entrepreneurs at a similar stage as we're at in mm -hmm. our startup, it's just quite useful um, for sharing on a personal level, but also just, um, well, I guess business insights and really just going through the same challenges at the same point in okay. time, I think is very valuable. So has there been anything that you think, you know, I need to improve upon in your particular business? Well, I think instead of um, maybe only, you know, seeking out older people or more experienced people, I think um, I will aim at, you know, seeking out, you know, someone similar to myself as well mm -hmm. uh, and actually having uh, a network there. Yeah, that's really important because maybe do you feel that was lacking? Well, it wasn't prioritized. Okay. And what was the impact of not having that piece of the jigsaw filled? Um, well, I think it's just, again, just nice for sharing. And again, someone at the same stage, I think it's just quite, quite valuable. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you get a lot of sort of, uh, I used to do it this way, or I've known someone similar to you. Yeah. When you're speaking with someone, with more work experience or someone in a stable job. Yeah. Um, and it would be nice just to actually brainstorm on the you know current struggle or mm -hmm. current whatever aspect uh, right in the middle of it. Great, thank you very much. I would like to move on to the part B of this business model ecosystem. That's, that's where you take the idea all the way through to actually being a physical product or a soft product and you actually, you're able to make money out of it. Um, Ivan, were, did you see anything that you, you know, that you were concerned about, um, about where your business is heading and your route to market? Yes, well, I'm a bit concerned that there are a lot of players in this, in this race to the finish. Mm -hmm. And uh, I need to be in, uh, contact uh, with, with all of them and I think that uh, if one of them does not uh, go all the way with me mm -hmm. that uh, it, it will damage the business mm -hmm. so it, it's not only the people in my team that I have to uh, <coughs> keep in the loop but also a lot of other the stakeholders yes yes yeah and there are quite a few of them okay so have you got a plan to actually try and fix that? Or no, you... not not really. Just but you know, just, just be in touch with them and yeah, not, not a better plan to that. Okay, so but you now know it's an issue. Yeah, you need to consider. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Uh, Tor, is there anything that surprised you? I think for 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 me, it's more about looking at the the greater picture. So. Um, having a plan from the beginning, how to manage relations, how to ensure that your product fits the market. Okay, so they're the, they're the main points. But what have you, I mean, I'm deliberately being picky. Yeah. I just want to know what, what, what you found, like, where's the weakness that you see? That, oh my God, I need to actually do something with that. I think it's, it's most about the willingness to pay for our product. Mm -hmm and that we need to ensure that um, 
the, the pricing model that we're using actually fits our customers and that they are willing to. So do you have a concern about that? Yeah, because we don't have any paying customers okay. <laughs> yet. Yeah. And, and we have submitted a lot of tenders. So I mean, either the market is mature or we're doing something wrong or something wrong with, with our product, even though we do have a lot of letter, letters of intent saying that they, mm -hmm. they would like to pay at some point. So just for the, the listener, Tor is a very strong, well-built gentleman. <laughs> He's a man's man, right? The ladies are looking at him, he's a man's man. We men struggle with actually being very open about our weaknesses. Can I ask uh, Steen, mm -hmm. what, what things you've seen in that aspect that you know, were a little surprised to you or something that you've got to do something with? Um, well, it became very clear to me that I have a lot of very practical worries regarding developing our product regarding will it end up being what the customers want? Mm -hmm. Can we make it in time? Will the suppliers do what I imagine they should do? All these kind of things. Mm -hmm. Because like with all these exercises, some of them you have a hard time writing things down and in this one they're just like worry <laughs> after worry being <laughs> written down. So so clearly this is something that I that I spend a lot of time on worrying about the practicalities mm -hmm. of how we're going to solve this. So if you're worried about them, mm -hmm. when you go to a pitch meeting or meet an investor, guess what? They're going to instantly sense that. Yeah. You know, when you just stand up and open your mouth, they'll know that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think actually that's maybe what I also realized that these worries are very relevant and I should take care of them, but I should also be able to step above it, above it and be confident in that we will solve it over time. Yes, but I think now you know it's a whole. If yeah. you're honestly going to present to the stakeholder, then you honestly have to fix it or you have to tell them it's a problem yeah. or it's a it's an issue that we are addressing or we we believe this is the problem and this is how we're going to deal with it. But I think the better answer is fix it, you know, yeah. actually address it or have a plan to address it. So you might you might say to the to the investor, you know, this area of our product is a real problem for us. Mm. And we, we realize it and we're addressing that. And I think that creates credibility mm. to say, we actually know there's a problem. Yeah. Rather than hoping that they are not going to miss it. Yeah. You know, or they're not going to see it. I mean, actually, there's a problem on one of my handouts that no, none of you actually have noticed yet. So I'm not going to tell you about <laughs> it because I just thought, it's 9.30 in the morning, let's see. But I know there's a problem there. Um, and sometimes, you know, the best feedback is a feedback which is actually shows you in an accurate light rather than a, a very bright, bright light. You know, when you go to Amazon, you read the feedback, you know, if they're all amazing, you think, like, I don't believe this. But when you see somebody that said, I bought it, it was delivered, it was broken, I sent it back, rubbish. That actually makes you feel that this this feedback is real you know and it, you feel more credibility towards it so I, I think it's great that you can see that and i think it's worth sharing that mm. and when you seek partners that you have partners that actually can help with you those help with those points thank you very much can i move on to point c and this is a it's a strange one because we're diverse businesses here and this is really about the testing, the approvals um, of the product. And I'll, 
And Connie, did you have any issues that came out for you? Because you're in a food handling uh, area and your product will touch food and it's going to be clean. Yes, so um, what I find out, particularly in this section, was um, that we have to look for um, networks that we should surround us with. Um, and in our case, um, it is especially um, the plastics industry and on the other hand, the recycling industry. And um, yeah, we already had some challenges to, to get in contact with um, kind of the right people that can help us out. Um, and yeah, it was just really helpful to think about the whole networks again and um, who is involved and who should we contact within the next few weeks or months. Mm -hmm. And it, it, is this such a critical area for you that you have to get right? Yes, it is. Okay. I mean, the recycling process at the end is basically the very end of our process, mm -hmm. uh, but um, it really depends on how we um, kind of build our initial product so that it can be recycled at the end again. Mm -hmm. Are you reliant upon any certifications or testing uh, bodies that can affect the way people perceive your business? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the products have to be tested and yeah. Um, yeah, they have to have certificates mm -hmm. so that they can use for food. Mm -hmm. um, but this is more or less an issue that we have to figure out with the manufacturers at the end. Yeah. I think for you, having that certification or that approval can actually enhance your product. Because, you know, for some products like a mobile phone, we assume they've got the testings and mm -hmm. certification. But for innovative products like some of you are, having that seal of approval is like a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. It's a, hey, you know, and you should really make a big thing of it to say we have the standards <clears throat> that the corporates have you know we're, we're small but you know we're at the same standard of them and you, you should make it a big thing an important aspect and when you get your certifications you know, do do the press release you know let the industry know you know the, the trade bodies that you're working with because these things are really important uh, whilst you know you can you can turn it from being a cost to actually being an investment. So, you know, if I'm using a new kind of bowl for food, then I don't really, nobody tells me about certifications, but the fact that you've got it right in front of my face, you know, that you've got some level of, level of approval, you've got some outside body saying you've met a standard is really valuable. I mean, I've won awards for my toys and apparently having a, an award is, a really good bit of um, credibility so we, we make use of that um, in our publicity and our, our materials so uh, great thank you very much has anybody else got a certification i mean i mean in our business uh, there are different levels of certifications already yeah um so we don't want to create a new one but we want to um utilize the ones that are already there yeah. and incorporate them in our product mm -hmm. and then further develop on it um, to, to, to make a new standard but, but at yeah. the same time use the ones that already exist. Yeah, be really careful with that. It's creating new standards, really, really expensive. I, mean, yeah, I spent no. 60,000 pounds on the testing of my product and that was because there wasn't a standard. It took us a while to find the standard and, and work around it. So uh, I think that should be an aspiration for you, but at the very least meet the standards yeah. first. 
and then as you get more influential then set your own standards oh, yeah, definitely. it's a great point so can we just talk about point d which is the scale up aspect of your business you know when you actually go from proven the business model making some revenue and now turning into a, a, a process which you can replicate over and over again and you just repeat the process did anybody see anything in there that they were concerned about or thought that you know that's something i need to focus on yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yes. one of our issues with the, the scaling up is that when you work with a booking platform they don't want to scale up you know one country at a time they want to just throw it out there for the mm -hmm. entire world wow at once so the way that we can uh, we have to figure out a way where we can work around that somehow we still are struggling with that part because we're not capable of assessing all hotels at this moment we don't know enough we don't have mm -hmm. enough data like that that's, so that's an we amazing figure out how we can do it ourselves maybe make a small version ourselves where we just link kind of between them and they don't have to implement something themselves yet and then eventually we are like now we're ready and now we can just go so you it sounds like you're going to be a business that is either very successful or yeah. not successful mm -hmm. at all yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's a great opportunity isn't it and that's like a plus point when you go to meet investors but equally that means you better put some money in soon yeah you better go early which is you know a great challenge any fears about that growth stage coming ahead uh fear a little bit nervous more it's probably more we are at the point where i'm like okay it's make or break now yeah. so at this point it's not fear but we are nervous and we try to be very very conscious about how we do this and do it the right way the first time because yeah. there are so few big booking platforms there are a lot of booking platforms but the big ones they are very important to it because the small ones don't really have an impact successful at all so can i just go back to the people have you thought about having people from the industry join you as board members or advisors we've actually been trying to work out how to make a coalition advisory board or something where we can get somebody to um yeah, support us and we have tried to map it out like who do we need mm -hmm. we're trying to look through our contacts and who have we made at different events who would be interesting yeah um, and now we have to figure out okay what's the practicality of how it's going to work yeah i mean a, a company like yours you're going to be attractive to somebody who's been in the industry for a while and wants to do something completely new so you have to be of value to them be brave about that and you might be surprised who you get on board danielle what was the issues around scaling up your business because you're in an artisan area you know you've got this very special seaweed mm, um well, the, I wouldn't say it's an artisan area, but at the moment I'm dependent on artisan suppliers because yep. they can't harvest. But it's developing into, it's moving away from non-artisan and it's becoming like an, an industry in seaweed, far, in seaweed farming. So. And I guess what, through the exercise, maybe what came up for me um, was that even though the issues are quite volatile and like very open to risk. Like there are a lot of, I'm depending on a lot of different factors coming together and a lot of industries like merging and collaborating and money coming in. I don't actually, it's probably not even my main worry because I just really believe that this is worth. So I, I like that your belief is there. 
but is that belief based on data that you can, you know, actually really trust? Yeah, okay. okay. Good. So for the listener, she's got a very strong nod there. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to doubt that nod. So the other aspect that I recently added to this business model is the person. And um, that was that was a revelation that came from Dr. Nick Gostick, who's the director of innovation at Keele University. He really liked the business model and he said, you know what, you're missing something. And he said, you're missing the person, which is the entrepreneur. And it was glaringly obvious, but I have to give him credit for seeing that. So because of uh, Nick, we are looking at actually how you, the entrepreneur, are coping and able to cope with the challenges ahead. Because when you get invested into your going, it's you that they're investing in, really. I mean, they're putting the money in the company, but it's you. So, Michelle, can I ask you about um, the area of, of how you're coping and where the area of weakness is for you in mental health? Yeah, um, I think for me personally, it's uh, mainly my own financial situation uh, and actually coping with uh, not making any money through the business. Uh, we're running a pilot study right now um, and we'll, uh, we're aiming towards making money by the end of next year. Uh, but it's been half a year now and obviously I can't sustain myself with no income. Um, so making the entrepreneurial life and the startup work alongside a part-time job is uh, the worry, but also you know, the financial aspect of it. Because uh, clearly when you work in a part-time job, you're not making as much as a full-time one. Yeah, <laughs> so. and, you, and you sound like you're really intelligent and so you could be working somewhere that could earn a great salary. But if you're at that point where, you know, you need the money, now's the point you should go and look for the money. Mm. You know, whether it's grant funding or, you know, uh, equity investment. The, you know, sometimes we go on way too long before we go in for investment. And it's surprising how little you need to go for investment. You feel that you need the finished product with a real customer. Well, I think we're at the stage where we just need a proof of concept and we don't yeah. fully have that yet. And um, from my experience and the people I've talked with so far, uh, it's kind of hard to raise any money, at least, you know, salary and wages yeah. um, when you don't have a proof of concept. Perhaps, but I think it's now the time to actually to create the business plan mm. and actually go start talking. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Because it, when you have it all, it's going to be too late, you know? Yeah. Because they will want to make a change. Mm. So start early when yeah. you can make changes. Because if you get an investor in who's an expert, they're going to want to make some changes. And if you've got that proof of concept, which is now a mold, which is ready in production, it's going to be really expensive. Mm. So I think seeking perfection because if, the, I mean, that's an area of concern for you. Yeah, but I think the thing is that we're not really seeking perfection. We're very aware that what we have right now is an MVP, but we're yeah. not even testing that part. It's only uh, the label of our container. Mm -hmm. So we're not actually testing the container yet and we don't have the physical version. So I think the minute that we're actually out and about in the hotel yeah. uh, and get some validation from other hotels as well, saying that maybe they won't implement it, but they like the idea and would be interested maybe to buy it at a later point. I think that's the point where we can actually start addressing VCs and, you know, having coffees with potential angels and that sort of stuff. But they are investing in your business model, mm. not your label. True. So if your business model is 
you know, if you've got a business model that you're testing, now's the time to be thinking about that. Yeah. Connie, what was the, um, an area of concern that you have around mental health? Yeah, financials, uh, what Michelle just said, of course, are um, also a part that we are thinking about all the time. We mm-hmm. just finished our master's, master's degree and everybody's kind of starting to work. And then you think about like, are you the crazy one trying out something without like, yeah, and knowing you, that it pays off at the end. And, and you've worked for banks, so you, you could get a really good job in a, in a, you know, a well-paid industry. Yeah, I hope so. I yeah, guess. Well, I, I believe it. So um, yeah, but the thing is, like for us, like it's such a chance and um, such a challenge. And I just I love challenges, and um, I feel like we are on a way to make something big, which can really be profitable as well. Mm-hmm. So I think if you would not try it out now, um, at some point later on, I would just regret it to not. Yeah. Try it out. This is why I, or why we decided to just go for it, and yeah, we also decided to go all in mm-hmm. for a certain period of time because what what we figured is like if you if you take on and we're lucky that, um, hopefully we, um, we got into one of the programs as mm-hmm. well and that help us out at least a little bit for um farmers and financials, um, but. Yeah, so this gives us a bit of a time, at least half a year, to just try it out and give yep. everything we have. And um, yeah, and then at this point we'll evaluate if it makes sense to continue or not. Yeah, that's good that you've got a test point where you actually yeah. will evaluate. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, Ivan, uh, where was the issue for you in uh, the personal aspect of, of this business model? Well, the personal aspect is probably the appreciation or the support from, from my friends because they they don't really understand what I'm doing. So also in comparison to taking a regular job, um, I feel that by doing something different, uh, I'm making a very dangerous decision uh, in, in a sense that if, if I make it, uh, then everybody will be yeah. understanding and, and happy about it. But if I don't make it, then uh, it would be really bad in terms of how people receive me or that I uh, took a wrong choice by yeah. not doing a, like a normal job in normal life. So we, there's a, a section on credibility. Did you make any uh, observations on personal credibility? On credibility? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not really concerned with that. Yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> that actually is a good answer because if you're going to do it, you have to do it because you believe it and your credibility will get affected. You know, the choices you could make, you know, why, are you, why can't you go on holiday? Why can't you buy these things? Because I don't have money, why not? Because I'm an entrepreneur. Why are you an entrepreneur? I think being an entrepreneur is quite cool. You know, it's a very acceptable career choice, but it is a tough career choice. And finance do affect our mental health because we can't do everything we want to do, you know. But we have the freedom to think and behave. But our friends in work, they can go out and buy holidays and buy things they want to. The fact that sometimes they hate their jobs, they hate their boss, you know, they hate the purpose of the the organization 
you know, it's, it's fine, but, you know, because they sell their souls and we don't sell our souls. So, um, Tor, tell me about mental health uh, for you. How does it impact? Have you got any concerns around mental health? I think mental health and motivation for me is very closely related. Mm -hmm. So coping with the ups and downs that we're going through, um, having to, to work uh, very long and very intensively on something that we um, think is, is like a pretty good job and that we are proud of. And then um, potentially getting rejected by a client or a customer. So how are you coping with the rejection? So, I mean, every time we, we get a rejection, we, we do an evaluation mm -hmm. and try to understand why that is, what can we improve, mm -hmm. understand the, uh, the client or the customer and why they made this decision, um, to, to really understand how can we improve in the future or right. going forward and possibly or hopefully avoid um, being in this position again. Mm -hmm. That's a really healthy way of... Uh dealing with the rejection and that, that shows you as a data-driven business rather than emotional. I keep on talking to you about mental health because I do feel that men struggle with sharing their mental health issues. I really do. You know, I'm one myself and it's not easy. Um, I think women just cope. They're better at sharing their, their, their mental health issues. They can just talk about it. And men, you have to deal with it and it's, it's different. So uh, for me, you know, the more open you can, you can be, you find somebody who you can share with. I'm looking at the men here, mm. you know, because it just adds, it just builds up and builds up and it builds up and it gets to a point where it's just too much, you know, and uh, you just really need to have people that you can talk to. You know, working with a co-founder is really helpful but having somebody you can actually talk about outside of you know, your work, like, you know, like a parent or an uncle or, a, you know, you know, these networks that Michelle, you talked about, you know, mm. somebody you don't necessarily see very often, but can be objective and is happy to share because they're going to do some of that as well. Mm. Um, Steen, mm -hmm. was there anything that you saw in there? I mean, I think relationships is a really important aspect of your your life um, was there something that you know, is significant to you? Um, well, I'm very lucky that I have very good relationships and very good support. So I guess that also became very clear that this is actually not something I worry about because I feel very supported. Great, but that I also need to make sure that that stays that way. But actually, what was more clear for me is the mental health part. Um, because that was for me a very calculated part of deciding to be an entrepreneur because I myself have a, a past of mental health issues. Mm -hmm. So I knew going into this that I had to be very, very aware of not putting myself under as much stress as entrepreneurial life can be. Yeah. Um, so I think for some people that it's more like a risk that shows up a little unexpected. For me, it was a very calculated <laughs> okay. risk that I every day has to be okay. Well, I have to go to bed in the time that I need to and I have to take care of myself for this to, to work. I think that's really it's very good of you to actually be open about that. I think it's very important also if you want a more diverse group of entrepreneurs then 
we need more women, we need more people who have mental health issues and Absolutely. so on. There needs to be room for different ways of being an entrepreneur. I think you're absolutely right, and it does make for a much more interesting and balanced business. Yeah, and also it means you're more sensitive to the issues of your colleagues as your business grows. Yeah. Hopefully, you'll have those things embedded in. Yeah, I'm. I'm often thinking, saying to Michelle, Ah, are you making sure to get your sleep and taking <laughs> care of yourself because I know it's important. Yeah, and I think as 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 you become leaders. Uh, rather than entrepreneurs, you are working through your, your people. Mm. And you really have to, the most important thing you can do in your business is look after your people. Mm. They will look after your customers. So people think, look after the customers, yes, but if you've got people looking after them, you have to look after them. So if you can't look after yourself, then you'll never be able to look after your customers. Can I ask Daniel, was there anything that, you know, that you saw as a particularly an issue for you? Maybe on the relationship side, that also leads into the mental health. Where the, while the relationships are really important to me, I'm probably letting my own stress, anxiety, build up, affect that because I'm maybe not taking care of my mental and physical health. As mm -hmm. much as I should. So just just give us a little bit more detail on mm. how that manifests itself. Say even. Well, I've lived in cities all my adult life, and so like my whole social network is there. And to build this startup, about a year and a half ago, myself and my husband moved to where I'm from, really rural, remote countryside in Ireland. And probably the isolation of that has... And I've neglected to maybe maintain my friendships that are all mm -hmm. city-based, yeah. basically. Um, so have you got some ideas on how you can re-address re re that balance? Um, I just keep inviting all my friends, hope that my friends will move to the countryside. Yeah. And yeah, go to just make plans, visit people, spend quality time together and build connections where I am. So I probably find that I struggle with that the most, just the older you get, probably it's harder to step outside your... Actually, it doesn't get harder, it gets easier. Because <laughs> you just get more comfortable with who you are. And therefore, the people around you realize you're comfortable with who you are. And the most attractive person you can be is you. And, and it takes a lot of thought, actually, and self-confidence and to actually see that to be my most attractive self, I have to be comfortable with me. Whereas, you know, if you're a shy little flower in the corner of the room, nobody's really going to talk to you because you look shy and, or you're scared. But if you just look comfortable and confident, then people will naturally gravitate to you. You know, although this is about business, it's really about the person. And, you know, that is the most important thing here. And your own self-values is the most important thing. Because if you feel valuable, then you can attract investors. Um, you can persuade them that you're worth it, worthy of their time. You can attract suppliers that you want. Um, you can persuade people to do all sorts of amazing things for you because you're very comfortable with the way you are and they feel that. So uh, that's a really interesting conversation. Thank you very much for being so open about it. I think this is the most difficult aspect, the people aspect. 
is the most difficult aspect of the business model ecosystem. Um, I found that really useful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wasn't that an interesting conversation? Wasn't that really fascinating to hear how we entrepreneurs actually think as a group when we're honest we actually allow ourselves to unpeel the layers of bravado and masculinity and actually get down to what's actually bothering us so again thank you for the six entrepreneurs that were involved in that conversation i was really touched by their humility and i hope it helps you discover and ask questions that you may not have already asked yourselves. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say we have weaknesses. It's absolutely fine to say, I don't know all the answers. Do these things before you get into the outside world. Do these things before you get to an investor, a banker, a customer, or a supplier, because you will be far stronger when you get to them because you will have punched the holes in your business plan before they even get to see anything like a hole in their business plan. So, until next time, I'm going to say goodbye. If there's anything in this that bothers you, that maybe got you thinking about concerns that you have, and you want to talk to me, give me a shout out, email, the website, Twitter. I'm here, I'm ready to, to listen. Until next time, all the best in your business.